Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number seven of the Comfy Cozy Witch podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy Cozy Witch. And I just want to say thank you for joining me. I start every episode off, I feel like, by thanking you, um, but I really truly mean it um, and sincerely mean it. Your messages and your comments and you know people who who interact with me during my lives on Instagram and all of your kind words just really mean so much and it's why I keep doing this why I keep sharing all of my witchy knowledge and sharing this podcast with you all so truly thank you so much so today the main topic that I will be chatting about is tea a little bit of witchy tea history, different kinds of tea, and a little tassiography, the art of reading tea leaves or coffee grounds, and so forth. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that. And I'll also share with you a couple of my personal favorite teas. Uh, But before that, I want to talk about what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. Recently, I've been doing a lot of crafting, and I think that that comes into play with the season, you know, as it gets a little bit colder, the nights get longer, the days get shorter. Uh, I just crave a little more comfy coziness because I'm inside all the time. And so one of the things that, that makes me feel that way is crafting. And, you know, crafting too is something that I do with my hands. I'm fully engaged. I'm in the present moment. It's kind of like a practice in mindfulness, and I think I like that so much because it helps me with my anxiety. And you know, I have not shied away from talking about some of those issues here on my podcast. I unfortunately had another panic attack the other night right before I went to bed, and you know, the next day I woke up feeling a little bit better, but I decided that day to just spend 100%, well, maybe maybe 85% of my time crafting. And, you know, that day of crafting turned into an exciting venture for me. So, you know, crafting to get my mind off being anxious to help quell my anxiety a little bit turned into like inspiration And I ended up being really productive doing something that I absolutely love and something that calms me. So crafting is what is making me feel comfy, cozy. And the things that I have been crafting over the last few days have all, I would say, yeah, 90% of the things have been witchy as well. So I started off by crafting runes. And I have two sets of runes, uh, one set I got years ago, probably 10 or 12 years ago, and they're runes on stones, and they're beautiful. It's the Elder Futhark beautiful runes, and then I also have a, a set of wooden runes. And so I decided to make some glass runes using paint and um, sealer. So I grabbed a whole bunch of glass, those little glass balls, and I cleansed them when I got home. So I cleaned them with a little bit of dish soap, and then I dried them really well, and I smoke cleansed them after that. And then I painted the Elder Futhark on 
on the runes. And I painted that and then I sealed them, let them dry for a while. And then I decided to make up my own little guide that goes along with the runes. And I was talking to a friend who suggested, well, why don't, you know, why isn't this something that you put in your Etsy shop? You know, you could, you could sell these in your Etsy shop. And at first, you know, I was making them for myself, but it was so, like I said, it felt so in the present moment, so mindful while I was making them. I could just, I could have kept going on and on and on for another couple of hours because it just calmed me down. So I thought, yeah, I could, I could sell these because I want to keep making them. So I got back in the car with my mask. I have one N95 that I've had throughout this entire, this entire quarantine and went back to the store, picked up different color glass, uh, little, the glass little balls. I don't know, marbles. I don't know how to describe them. And I came back, did did the whole thing again. I washed them, I dried them, I cleansed them. And I made more sets of runes. And then I made some witches' runes. And I used 13 symbols for, for those runes. And the whole experience was just so therapeutic for me. And we had holiday music playing in the background. The Yule tree was lit up. At one point, we had the fire going in the fireplace. And my partner and my son were playing, not Pokemon, you will be surprised to know because my son plays Pokemon all the time, but they were playing Animal Crossing while I just sat and crafted in the background. And we have an open living room area, so I was in the kitchen, like the eating kitchen, which opens up to the living room so we could all be together while I was crafting, they were playing games, we had the music going. And it was just super comfy and cozy. And then the next day, I decided to continue on my crafting venture. And I made some bath salts and some body scrub and some room clearing sprays using my organic essential oils and the herbs that I had dried over the summer and keep for projects. And I ended up completely rebranding my Etsy shop. So you're going to see how like this crafting turned into a very productive uh, week and week weekend and week so far. I ended up rebranding my Etsy shop, which was called Pocketful of Magic, but I changed it to Comfy Cozy Apothecary because that just suits me. That that fits. That's who I am. That fits me so well. And so I ended up crafting and putting those things up in my new shop. And it just felt so awesome to be able to craft these items, get something out of it that wasn't strictly monetary. Because let's be honest, I'm not going to lie, my friends, I don't make much money in my Etsy shop. I don't sell many things at all. (laughs) I do it because I enjoy doing the crafty stuff. I enjoy making other people happy. Um, I live for just like those one or two comments, those one or two sales, what, a week, a month. But it just, I I don't know where I was going with that. Well, it just was so comfy, cozy few days. And I say witchy because it was making products for my witchy shop. Um, So yeah, that is what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. 
time. It's tea time. I am so excited to chat about tea and tea magic. I'm recording this at 3.52 East Coast time, so New York time, and I am sipping on a cup of tea myself. I'm having myself some red rooibos tea. It is one of my favorite, favorite herbal teas, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit later in this segment of the podcast. So I want to chat a bit about the history of tea, uh, tea magic, tassiography, and then share some of my favorite teas with you. And so let's start. Let's start with the history of tea. And I want to say I I got a lot of this information from Magical Recipes um, and, you know, compiled this information because there's just so much out there on teas because tea is a beverage that has this super long history. Um, I mean, it goes back thousands and thousands of years. And the legend surrounding the discovery of tea is that the Chinese emperor Shen Yong discovered the herb way back in 2737 BC. <laughs> I mean, just think that is so long ago. And he discovered it when the leaves accidentally fell into some hot water that he was drinking. And he was so overcome by this magic. You know, what is this plant? What is this herb that he dedicated his life to tea and the invention of different brews and concoctions and magic that can come out of drinking different types of tea? And so I just think that's, you know, a fun piece of tea lore that goes back thousands of years. And, you know, of course, from that time until now, tea has been very closely associated with witches, with mages, with alchemists, um, and them using different teas to heal illness and ailments and different sicknesses and to use for divination and to use in their magical practices and work. You often see witches depicted, you know, in pop culture, other than the Wicked Witch of the West. In many books, witches are drinking tea, or there's reference to tea, or the tea on their shelves, the tea, they're drinking in a tea or a coffee shop. You see tea associated with witches. And personally, I think it's because of the inherent properties that are in with within tea, the inherent healing properties. And, you know, people from the Chinese emperor Shenyong through the ages discovered that, hey, you know, if you use this herbal type of tea or this herb and you boil it or you ferment it and you use it for X, Y, Z, it actually serves as an antibacterial or an antimicrobial um, agent. Or, wow, this tends to calm me a little bit. Or this chamomile does X, Y, and Z. And so anytime I think you have something that you drink or a plant, something coming from nature that heals or does something, causes some sort of change, it is linked to witchcraft. 
it is linked to magic. Yes, it is linked to health and wellness and um, perhaps medicine as well. But, you know, witches are medicine men and women. They are healers. And tea is just another way for them to, you know, tap into some of that. And, you know, going back to the books I've read, even in this last year, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, uh, The Witches of New York. The, I read another one. Oh, maybe it was it Serpent and Dove, a YA book. But the witches mentioned in the book sit down and they're drinking tea and they have their conversations over tea. You look at pop culture and practical magic, tea is involved <laughs> because there's this, this close association with tea and witches and magic. And, you know, it employs both magic and healing and divinations. And there are, you know, out there witches that might identify themselves as tea witches. And they're not only herbalists, but they use the magic of herbs and teas to center themselves, to achieve wisdom for healing. And so there are some witches who have dedicated their craft to tea. And if you are one of those witches, let me know. Message me on Instagram. You know, let me know because I really would like, I'd like to hear what you have to say too. So that's just a little bit of tea history and the connection to witchcraft and magic. And then when it comes to the type of plant that tea comes from, most most types of tea come from the leaves of the Camellia sinensis. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that 100% correctly, and forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but it's not just the leaves because different parts of the plant are used and utilized in different ways and many different varieties. So all different parts of the same plant are used in tea. So it's not just leaves. We talk about drinking tea and the tea leaves and reading tea leaves, but it's actually the stem and the other parts that are used in some teas as well. And it's that combination that gives teas their distinctive taste and the combination of those leaves again, and of the stems that have various magical properties and health benefits, because you can find certain, not ingredients, uh, particles <laughs> in the stem that you might not find in the leaf in a more concentrated form that has more health benefits. And, you know, all the tea gurus out there know know the differences between the plants, know how they grow and where to grow them. I am not one of those gurus. I am researching um, and learning because I wanted to talk about tea and share it with you and because I drink tea. I'm a big tea drinker and I also use tea in my magical practice as well in setting intentions. Um, and there is differences in you know, tea and plants that are grown in the sea or the top of the mountain just because of the the properties in the soil as well. And the the chemical composition, the alchemical properties, you know, it varies. But I want to talk about five main categories of tea and how they're corresponded to the different times of the year and the wheel of the year and the seasons and just little bits of information about those. So first I wanna start with black tea, which is obviously probably one of the most common forms of tea that is associated with winter, which makes sense when you think about it, black tea, darkness, you know, you're in the dark half of the year. And, you know, when we're thinking of tea and witches, it represents 
winter, the dark part of the year. And black tea's energy is masculine. It's associated with the planet Mars, the element of fire, and the crystal obsidian, which makes complete sense, and the colors black and red. And black tea is created by fermented tea leaves, and it is more oxidized than oolong, green, and white teas. And that's what makes it be a little bit stronger in flavor than the other teas. So black tea has like a stronger flavor to it. And that also is the reason it has the highest caffeine content and is an ingredient in many caffeinated tea bags. Even if it's flavored tea, you know, black tea is typically the main ingredient, the key ingredient, because it has that caffeine boost. Um, I actually don't drink a lot of black tea unless it is decaf because I don't drink caffeinated teas or coffees. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, But so black tea is known for its flavonoids. So these anti-inflammatory antioxidant compounds that benefit the heart. Um, Studies have shown it it can help with heart disease. Um, It can help prevent cardiac things. Um, It may reduce cancer. Again, I'm not saying 100% that, that black tea does this, but some studies have demonstrated this. And so some possible health benefits, and then I'll talk about some magical benefits, um, is regulating diabetes, helping with dementia, stroke, helping with the arteries, protecting lungs, reduces some damage from lungs. And I think typically when they talk about tea affecting, having an effect on, you know, medical problems, it's in large, like it's consuming a lot. It's in consuming a large amount of the tea. Um, some examples of black tea, just so you know, are Darjeeling black tea, Keeman black tea, awesome Yunnan Earl Grey, which is the black tea that I have most mornings in its decaffeinated <laughs> form. So let's talk about magical properties then. Magical properties of black tea can help with um, banishing things, banishing negative emotions, banishing thoughts. Um, banishing even boredom. It's it's also good for courage. It's good for money spells and regulating the flow of money and abundance. And not just abundance in money, but abundance in other areas of your life. And it also stimulates the conscious mind. And it's in a milder form than with coffee. I mean, coffee, you know, can sometimes just like kick your butt and you're ready to go. But Black tea is a little bit gentler in doing this. And so, you know, you can use this in meditation as well. So that's a little bit about black tea. Next, we're going to talk about green tea. And green tea is associated with summer. So the energy is masculine, element fire, planet Mars, season summer, and crystals are... Malachite, green, adventurine, peridot, and colors associated with it are orange and green. So let's chat about green tea for a second. So green tea extracts have been used in traditional Chinese and Indian medicine for thousands of years um, for a variety of uses. Excuse me. And now, you know, it's even shown sometimes that green tea can help with other purposes like weight loss. And green tea is made by initially soaking the tea in alcohol 
and um, later the solution can be further concentrated and used. And it is mostly known for its particular health benefits because it's really rich in those flavonoids um, that I mentioned a little bit before. And that's anti, you know, anti-inflammatories, which is really great, obviously. So some health benefits of green tea. And again, not 100%. These might be health benefits. I am not a doctor. So don't, you know, don't take this as advice. This is just through research. Um, but health benefits of green tea prevents, it could prevent and reduce types of cancer, boost metabolism and help in weight loss or weight control. It can help reduce the LDL. So the bad cholesterol, help regulate um, dopamine and benefits uh, your brain waves and benefits the heart as well. Some examples of green tea would be um, gunpowder green tea, which is that is a strong green tea. I actually have some. I, I'm not drinking it <laughs> um, but because there is caffeine in it, but my partner has had that before. Um, Dragonwell green tea, Sincha, matcha, which is, you know, has been gaining popularity over the last couple of years. And the magical properties of green tea are pretty ex- um, expansive as well. Uh, it can be used for magical workings when it comes to health, longevity. It's thought to be an aphrodisiac as well. So it's great for love spells and using in passion spells and intention work whenever you're drinking it and you want to call in those things. It's great for energy spells because it gives you a lot of energy, immortality as well. And that links back to the energy um, and the summer vibrancy cleansing spells, so banishing negativity. And you're going to find a lot of teas help with banishing negativity and kind of cleansing the body because they're cleansing overall. And money and abundance spells as well. So that's a little bit about the green tea. Now white tea. So white tea is associated with the season of spring, which again makes sense when you're thinking of the colors associated with the various seasons and the the turn turning of the wheel you know you think of spring and new light the light has come back so white tea is associated with spring um the elements of air and fire planet mars and associated with the sun the quartz crystal is the crystal associated with white tea and the colors would be white yellow and gold and gold hues and gold tones So white tea can refer to several styles of tea, which feature young or minimally, sorry, processed leaves of the camellia plant, which is again, the same plant that most of these teas come from. So either the tea leaves are immature and steamed, or the leaves have been very little processed, okay, or maybe even not at all. So even though it is white tea, it's important to note that it has a pale yellow color. So if you're if you're making white tea and you expect it um, to be clear, that's not the case. So some health benefits of white tea: it is known to be an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, uh, used for the prevention and treatment of degenerative diseases, uh, protecting your your spine and preventing osteoporosis and, and protecting your bones, protecting against neurodegenerative diseases, um, thought to help improve type 2 diabetes and prolongs the youth of skin. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I 
Oh, I like that last one. I mean, I totally like I embrace every aspect of my life and my aging process. And right now I'm in my mother stage and I'm not afraid of the crone stage because with that comes wisdom. Um, But I'll tell you what, these wrinkles are forming fast. So when I see prolonged youth of skin, I'm thinking, ooh, I'm going to have to do a little tea magic and mix something up for my face care routine. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to look into that. So it's a magical. So that, so those are some of the health benefits. Um, magical properties of white tea would be cleansing, um, drinking it for clarification purposes. If you are doing spells about clarity, if you want to see a situation a little bit clearer. Um, aura healing, which makes a lot of sense with, with the white and you know your crown chakra and your aura. Uh, white tea is known to also help with fertility. It has protection properties. It's helpful um, for psychic abilities. And if you are doing any psychic work in connection with spirit or your guides, deities, animals, this is a great tea to sip on while you're meditating and you want to connect with those things. So I just imagine myself, you know, doing a guided meditation with uh, white tea and talking to my guides, and maybe pulling a few cards. (laughs) It's also known um, to work well with youth and beauty spells. Like I said, I'm going to work on, I'm going to work on my white tea facial scrub, new beginnings, and to use in a blessing, to use as a blessing. Finally, the fourth um, main category of tea is oolong. So oolong tea magic and Oolong tea has feminine energy. The element is water and it's associated with Mars. And you probably guessed it because I said feminine energy, the moon. The season associated with Oolong is autumn. The crystal is amethyst and the colors associated with it are purple and dark blue. And Oolong tea is processed through um, withering the plant under the sun, like a strong sun and oxidation before then curling and twisting it. So, you know, in these these terms, they're so interesting to me. It makes me want to do even more research. Like, oh man, I need to start making, making my own teas out of the tea leaves. And I've done that before and I've made my own blends and I've dried my own herbs to, you know, do herbal teas. But this is making me want to explore things even farther. So uh, witches consider oolong tea a mature tea. Uh, more more than green, okay, a little more mature than green, but less less than black. So I mean, your black tea is the strongest. Um, so that makes it associated with autumn. And I think this now, when you hear this, it'll make sense and click why the different colors and the types of tea and their strength coincides with the different um, phases of the year. I mean, that in and of itself is magic right there. <laughs> so some of the health benefits of oolong tea antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, helps in preventing osteoporosis, prolonging the youth of your skin. So maybe I need to add some oolong tea into into my ritual. Uh, Lowers cholesterol, can help with uh, vascular heart diseases. It protects teeth, can help regulate diabetes. And again, it it may do these things in large quantities. And some magical properties of oolong tea are love and relationships. So any love spell and love works, you know, oolong tea would be a good tea to use. Serenity, reflection. Um, if you're trying to balance like your emotions, this would be a good 
a good tea to sip on and that, you know, that comes in with your intuition and your feminine energy and your emotions. Uh, Oolong tea is also really good for divination purposes and foretelling the future. These are really great leaves to use if you're doing a bit of tea leaf reading, um, tassiography using tea leaves, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. So then, of course, you know, we have we have those teas. And now I want to talk a little bit about herbal teas. I took a break there just for a minute so I could actually sip on a cup of tea of my tea before it got cool because I realized I just talked about tea for 20 minutes with my tea sitting next to me and I didn't even have one sip. So I had to stop the podcast to sip on my tea. Um, But I am back now and I want to talk about herbal teas now. So herbal teas are teas that are, you guessed it, made out of herbs. So it's herbs that are typically um, dried and then rehydrated in hot, sometimes boiling, depending on the tea, um, water. And I love herbal teas. And the biggest reason I like herbal teas is because they're decaf. They're naturally decaffeinated. And I don't drink caffeine. Um, I may have mentioned this in another, on another episode. I'm not sure. But I haven't had caffeine in about five years because of just some heart palpitation issues. And so if I do have any black or green tea, I make sure that I get decaf. Like I said, I drink my Earl Grey every morning when I'm homeschooling my son with a little bit of creamer, a little bit of honey, sometimes maple syrup. And it is, oh, it is perfect. And it is decaffeinated. And then in the afternoon or evening, that's when I have my herbal tea. So I want to talk just about um, some herbs and even spices that can be used either some of them alone, you can make a tea completely out of these herbs or flowers, or they can be added to your other tea, your black teas, your green teas, your white teas, your oolong teas. So the first I want to talk about is peppermint, because this and the red uh, rooibos tea, they're my two favorite teas that I typically drink in the afternoon. I love peppermint tea. I love the smell. I love the taste. It reminds me of the Yule season, which is perfect for right now. It is also good um, medicinally for um, congestion issues. So it, you know, is good. I mean, you can just inhale the scent and know that it's a decongestant for clarity. It's also known to work well for an upset stomach. And, you know, if I ever feel a little bit nauseous, I'm not feeling well, I will go for my peppermint tea. And it is also a really nice um, protective, protective uh, tea as well. The next tea or herbal tea is chamomile. And, you know, you can grow this. Many people can grow this in their backyard and make their own tea out of chamomile. It is really great for sleep for anxiety, for stress. And I have something I want to share with you all, and it is very disheartening. Um, But sometimes I do not have the best reaction to chamomile. Sometimes it feels um, like my throat is getting a little bit tight. Um, So I might have some sort of mild, I don't know if it's an allergy, but there's some sort of mild reaction. I can't have chamomile on its own. I'll put it that way. It doesn't always agree with me. 
But for those of you who can drink chamomile, know that you can use it for any sleep spell work, any spell work to help reduce anxiety, any spell work to help you with stress. The next one is hibiscus. This is one of my other favorite teas. Uh, It is good for your love spells, for harmony spells, for relationships and friendship. Medically, it is thought to reduce blood pressure. If you have like three to four cups a day, it can naturally reduce blood pressure. And I'm almost sure, do not quote me on this, but that has been proven. That has been a proven study. So next up is chai tea. Who doesn't love a little spicy chai tea? I have to get this one um, decaf because this this does have caffeine in it because there is, I think, a black tea base, I want to say. But this is known for calming, for energy, for digestion as well. Ginger is good to use in some teas because that also helps with nausea and um, stomach aches. It's also known to help with menstrual pain and cramps which I think obviously many people (laughs) could use that for sure. Some other herbal teas um, or herbs that, you know, could be used for tea in combination or by themselves. Um, Thyme. Thyme is an anti-inflammatory, antibacterial. It also helps with sore throats. So thyme is a really nice healing. If you have some healing work to do, a really nice herbal tea to use. Uh, let me think. I talked about ginger, chamomile. Oh, lavender, my favorite. I always like to throw in a little bit of lavender. Well, not always. A lot of times I throw in a little bit of lavender with my teas in the afternoon. It is calming. I mean, for me, just inhaling the scent of lavender puts me in this calm, serene state of mind. So this is a good tea for soothing anxiety for helping you get to sleep, soothing insomnia. If you're doing any dream magical workings, lavender is a really good tea to work with. And then the last one I'm going to mention, because there are so many, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on just about herbal teas and herbs for many episodes. But the last one I want to mention is rose hips. Uh, It is a huge, I should say, I'm sorry, the last one before I get to my my favorite one. (laughs) It is a huge antioxidant, has some vitamin C, so there's a nice kick of vitamin C in rose hips, and this also is popular to use in love spells and spells about with relationships. So my favorite herbal tea is red rooibos tea. It's spelled, you probably have seen it before, it's red, R-O-O-I-B-O-S, and First, I love this tea because it is naturally (laughs) decaffeinated, Um, but there is something to me just so soothing about it. It has a stronger taste because from, I believe it's made from the the stem. Um, So yeah, I guess part partly from the leaves, but I'm pretty sure it's made from the stem. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. Here I am talking about like my favorite tea and I'm not 100% certain. I should go look that up. But I I love red rooibos. I feel like, excuse me, it blends really well together with other herbs and other teas. So 
I'll throw in some lavender with mine. Sometimes I'll put in some jasmine pearls. And yes, I know sometimes there's a little bit of caffeine in those depending on where you get them or how they're made. Um, but I love throwing in the jasmine pearls. It gives it a really nice taste. I always add honey. This, the red rooibos tea can be a little bit um, bitter at times. So I always add a touch of honey and it is so soothing and it just puts me in such a nice place. And I like sipping on this. This is the tea. If I make tea for my partner, he will ask for this tea, this red rooibos tea. And my favorite variety of red rooibos is the honey bush. It's um, a particular plant. It's called the honey bush. Again, I think a lot of it is made from the stem. It is my favorite form of red rooibos tea. And I highly recommend if you can find honey bush tea somewhere, I recommend finding it. I like to find my teas at um, little like uh, locally owned stores stores like tea shops where the teas are made from scratch are made and dried there or they're sourced from you know they're ethically sourced from somewhere and I know the background behind the tea I know where they come from in my town there's a cute little tea shop right downtown and I actually have to go because I probably only have about two weeks left of my honeybush tea um, there's a cute little shop and I go in she knows what I want and it's like when I say it's a little tea shop it is teeny tiny, like two people can fit in there at a time. And it is old school. Nothing is packaged in like flowery, beautiful packaging. Um, the owner, and I never asked her if she's a witch, but I have that feeling that she she might be, she might identify as a witch. Um, she, sits, she sits behind her counter. It's this little glass counter. And the honey bush tea is not one of the most popular ones. She has a lot of, you know, popular teas that are um, consumed by a lot of people. But the honey bush is always on the top shelf. And so she has to get this little stool. <laughs> she gets on her stool and she gets down the honey bush tea and a little plastic baggie, like a, a sandwich bag. And she puts in a couple scoops of it and she doesn't weigh it or anything. She just kind of guesstimates and eyes it and then hands me my tea. I pay for it. It is next to nothing. I don't know how she stays in business. Um, it's her must be her magic uh, because she does not charge nearly enough for her amazing teas as she should. But I just love it's such an experience when I go and shop for tea in her little shop. So I just felt compelled to share that little bit of tidbit. There's also a shop in my hometown that I will get teas whenever I'm visiting my hometown. They have some really nice blends and a lot of herbal blends, decaffeinated blends. So yes, that's about a little bit about tea. Um, when it comes to tea magic, a lot of magical workings with tea comes down to intention and putting intention and thinking about what it is that you intend and what you want to manifest while you're drinking the tea. So a lot of it goes back to simply being mindful, being in the present moment. When I make my tea, it's the little things I do, the little things I do when I make my coffee too. I make sure I stir in my sweetener three times to the right, so three times clockwise. I ask for sweetness to come into my day, for kindness to be part of my day. When I have my evening tea with my lavender and my honey bush and I want to settle down and calm for the night, that's what I think about whenever I'm taking those first sips. I'm not going to lie. I'm not thinking about that drinking the entire cup of tea. I really should do that. That's a good exercise in meditation. 
But I do think about that during my first couple sips. And then when you're doing spell work and um, you're trying to manifest things and call things in and you're not drinking the tea, you can absolutely use the herbs and use the tea in some of your spells. So I hope that was a nice overview of all of those, all of the teas. I think this is going longer than I expected, but I promised you that we would talk about tassiography. So I'm going to have another sip of my tea and then I'm going to jump in and talk about that. Tassiography. So tassiography, uh, it's also called tassiomancy, is the art of finding and identifying symbols and interpreting those symbols and messages found in the shapes um, that are left behind in tea leaves or even in coffee grounds or in wine sediments. Some of the red wine that has a lot of the, the sediments will leave, will leave that behind. And it is a divination practice. Um, so just like you know, any other divination tool, your cards, your tarot, your scrying, your runes. Um, it is it is based on the energy that you're giving out and the concept of directing that energy. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when we're focusing on, you know, the magical intention while drinking our tea, the leaves become conduits that that can mirror our experiences, including those which haven't yet occurred. So that's where the divination comes in to affect. Did you hear that? The dogs are barking. Can't get through an episode without hearing Reese. I don't know if you can hear it in the background or not, but Reese, there she went, and the little one, and Gia is back here. They're both back here barking. They're so cute. They just stopped though. So when when you do a tea leaf reading, and I'm going to focus on tea right now. I'm not going to get so much into Riesling. I'm not going to get so much into coffee grounds and the wine sediments because it's basically the same thing. Um, you make yourself a cup of tea using loose leaf teas. That is the important part. You don't want a tea in a tea bag because you need the sediments left behind to interpret. So you get your teacup ready, your hot water, your loose leaf tea, um, and don't just dump a tea bag in there. Don't like cut one open. That's not going to work. You want the loose leaves that are that have different shapes and sizes. They're not too fine. So black leaves are really nice to use for this if you want to do this, and you can even mix that, mix them with some herbs as well. So you're going to place the herbs and the tea into the hot coffee and you let it you let it sit you let it steep you think about what your intentions are um, think about what question you might want answered and then you sip on your tea you slowly sip on your tea think of think of that question think of what answers you want while you're sipping on it and then oh my gosh there she is in the background I'm so sorry <laughs> they're putting a tree out they're putting they're planting a tree in my front yard that's why she's barking she sees them in the window so you're going to then drink your tea until you have just a tiny bit of liquid left in the bottom like the teeniest tiniest bit and so that you have your leaves the sediment at the bottom in a teeny bit of water and then you flip your mug over, your, your teacup, onto a saucer. If you don't have a saucer, a plate is fine. And you let the water drip out. And then you flip your teacup back over and you peer inside the cup and look at the shapes 
and that are inside the cup, the shapes that have format, that have, um, I guess, made themselves known or clumped together inside the cup. And then from there, you have to kind of decipher what what is being said, what is being shown to you. Perhaps you see some animals in the shape. Perhaps you get some sort of intuitive hit when you're looking at the the tea leaves in the cup. Whatever it is, um, it's up to you to interpret them. Or you could go to somebody who is a professional and reads leaves as, as their profession. Um, but typically you will encounter um, specific symbols. So animals, you might encounter mythical beings or um, deities that you see in there, some sort of objects. You can identify letters, so any letters of the alphabet, and numbers. And then if you're new to tea leaf reading, once you can identify some of those things, research them. Look them up. What might it mean? Okay, you saw, uh, let's say, a phoenix, <laughs> for example. What What is that trying to tell you? If this is the the, the animal, the magical creature that, that is rising from the tea, tea leaves. Okay, that was really bad. <laughs> rising from the ashes, rising from the tea leaves. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> But if that's what you see, then research it. What would what would that mean? Perhaps you see the number 47 and that number has repeated over and over again. You know, what does that mean? What is the four? What is the seven? What does that mean to you? Um, sometimes, some people read tea leaves according to um, the astrological placements as well. And the, the, the cup being broken up into 12 segments and they read according to that. I mean, there are so many ways to read the tea leaves that are left behind. Um, but the best thing you can do is just try it out. Just just pour yourself some hot water and toss in some loose leaf tea, a couple of herbs or even um, flowers from your garden that you know you can consume. And See what your reading says. Try to interpret it on your own. I think just practicing is the best way to go about doing this. So yes, that's a bit about tea leaf reading. And I've had my tea leaves read a couple of times. I've read them myself as well. And now that I'm recording this, I might have to do that tonight because I have a really cute mug or cup and saucer set, excuse me, that I like to use. So now... I want to move on to our card of the week of the episode. Okay, so the card of this episode. Here we go. I'm pulling from the my moon deck, which is a deck that I've been really connecting with lately and resonating with. Okay. So our card this week is, oh, I like this one, Sanctuary. My home is a sacred space full of beauty, inspiration, and protection. That's beautiful. And the card has, um, I wish you could see it, crystals on it, on a wooden, looks like a wooden table. There is a candle lit. There are hydrangeas in the background, a sage bundle. Um, and there is the, the triple goddess moon in the back as well. It's really a pretty card. And... You know, this is all about home being a sacred haven. And I like this card for now because we're in the cold part of the year. 
the dark part of the year, we're home and there's a pandemic going on. So we are all home. And I think it's important that we remind ourselves that our home can be a sacred haven for us where we can ground, love, unwind. We can celebrate, cry, laugh, restore. And I'm, I know that I am very blessed and privileged to be saying that because for some people, you know, home, home is not always the safest space. So I want to acknowledge that as well. But, and this is going to sound kind of hokey, but you know how they say home is where the heart is. I hope that no matter the situation or where people are, that they can find some sort of peace and element um, of sacredness within themselves. And, and if that's in your home, that's wonderful as well. I'm very fortunate to have my sacred space within my home, my altar space in the room I'm recording in right now, my sacred space outdoors that I've posted about before. Um, but I think it's important to maintain your own version of sacredness and tend to that space, whatever that space is. So yeah, my home is a sacred space full of beauty, inspiration, and protect protection and whatever that is for you. I think that's a really nice card, a really lovely reminder. So thank you for joining me. I can't believe this was episode number seven. And seven is one of my favorite numbers, just so you know. Um, I, I want to do a couple shout outs because four of you have reviewed this podcast, which I can't believe. Um, I mean, I, Again, when I started the podcast, I I thought I'd have a dozen listeners. You just never know. And to know that so many of you are listening and enjoying this and encouraging me and sending me still, I get messages and emails um, a couple times a week and you don't know how happy that makes me feel. I can't even express how great that is. But I want to give a shout out. I shout out to um, one person last week and I have a couple more reviews up now. So Pug Mom 1987, I don't know who you are, but thank you for your awesome review. Um, you called me the Huga of witchy podcasts, and that that is exactly what I would be going for. Like comfy, cozy, witch. That is me to a T. And if you know me, you know that that's so true. So thank you for those awesome words. Um, C.E. Schuler. I think is your is is the last part C E Schuler. Thank you for your amazing review and J Pransky or J P Ransky. Thank you so much. Your words are so appreciated. Um and so anybody who has commented like I don't know who you are unless you tell me like unless you leave your Instagram handle or like your email or a way that I could identify you. Um so please, if you're one of those four, reach out, <laughs> message me on Instagram, let me know, hey, that was me who left the review. I really would like to be able to thank you, um, not just this way, but like write you a little something. So please let me know. Tell me who you are on Instagram or email me at comfycozywitch at gmail.com. So a couple places you can find me, um, Comfy Cozy Witch on Instagram. Comfy Cozy Witch on, I can't think right now, Facebook. Comfy Cozy Witches is my private group. So if you want to join that private group, 
please do. It is private because there are many witches who are still in the broom closet and we like to keep it a nice private space and it has been an amazing space so far. Great connections are being made. A couple of you have um, asked how you can support me. I do this um, because I want to share things. I, I want to share my information with you. I want to share my witchy experiences with you. Um, but if you if you want to support me, the best way you can do that is, again, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. That way other people can hear about it. And also, if you just want to check out my, my two businesses, that would be awesome. Um, as some of you may know, I've been an author for many years, but a couple months ago, actually, well, a year almost ago, I felt called to um, do more with my my witchy side that has been part of me almost my entire life. And so I started my comfy, cozy Instagram and I started this podcast and I, I started some other things. So two of my other endeavors are the Fit Witch Challenge, which is what I was really called to do and called to write. And if you just check out fitwitchchallenge.com or follow it on Instagram, that is one way that you can support me if you like what I'm doing here. Another way is to check out my Etsy shop. It is the Comfy Cozy Apothecary. And you can find that on in my bio on Instagram as well. Um, Comfy Cozy Apothecary is also my Instagram handle. So check out my products. Check out what I sell. It's magical goods. And I do oracle card readings. And um, yesterday, actually, my son, you know, I've been crafting a lot. <laughs> yesterday, my son helped me create some of the bath salts for my Comfy Cozy Apothecary. Um, I asked him what salts are soothing to him and what scents he likes, like what essential oils he enjoys. And immediately he said, lavender and rosemary, mommy. Those are his favorite. So we made a blend of salts and I let him name, I let him name the product and he named it, um, wait, I gotta look at it calming kids bath salts. How cute is that? So anyway, that's just a little a little tidbit. Um, if you're if you're still listening, which I'm just rambling on. So at this point, maybe you're not. But I am going to wrap it up now. Because this is a longish episode longer than I anticipated it to be. But until next week, stay comfy, cozy and witchy.